I was five years old when The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker was released, and for months it was the only game my older brother and I would play and talk about. This game is special to me because when I revisit it, I'm reminded of why I loved it so much. It wasn't just the adventurous music, the beautiful cel-shaded art style, or the gameplay. It was primarily the environment and world the game put you in. As you sailed around a vast ocean, everything felt open. It never felt like I was working toward a goal in the game, but instead discovering something new. Since then, I have played the game multiple times throughout my life, and each time doesn't feel like a waste, even though I'm not doing anything productive. It simply was relaxing. Now this is exactly what Dr. Kyle Bonnecke, an assistant professor at the University of Florida, studies and teaches. The importance of play. So far, this podcast has been centered around work as an identity and what this work might mean from individual to individual. But in this episode, I want to focus on the opposite of work. I want to focus on play. Join me as I talk to Dr. Bonnecke and what play means to each of us. As an assistant professor, we, uh, like, and, and as professors in general, we wear many hats um, in terms of the stuff we do. Um, traditionally, what most people see us doing is teaching, right? And teaching is a, is a big part of uh, what I do at the university. Um, I teach several classes every semester, um, many of which focus on the sort of question of play in um, games and in media, um, particularly in terms of like its historic, cultural, um, technological, um, even things like religious, ritualistic uh, kind of aspects here, right? So for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I do a lot of teaching on trying to kind of get students to think critically about, you know, what play is and how it uh, sort of impacts and shapes uh, their lives, and particularly how um, it's very important early on in their lives, but then once we hit a certain age, we're told to stop playing, right? And we're told to be very serious about uh, the work we do. Um, but so a lot of my research interests center around this question, of like what is play? How's it being used? For me, that's my big research question. And that's also where I think a lot of like my core theory and my teaching um, comes from. So tell me where play comes in in people's work lives and how it makes our labor bearable. Yeah, so when I, the, the issue with understanding play is that play is a very nebulous term. When we look at its, its definitions, we see that it's, been, it's, it's taken on many different dimensions and, and it, 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 there's really been this struggle to like pin down what exactly play is. One of the things that is really important that I've learned um, through both studying and participating in games quite a bit and in play is, uh, is vulnerability. Um, one of the things that we all experience when we step into a game and we play it for the first time is this sort of uncertainty, is this, is this feeling of like not really knowing what's going on and kind of being vulnerable of, of trusting people who are more experienced to kind of guide us through, help us through, teach us the rules and things like that, and, and need to be open to the way that this space operates on a very different set of rules than what we're, what we're used to. So for me, like, there's a really important lesson in vulnerability because if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to be open in the ways that we are when we, for the first time, step into a game, I think that's, that's a moment where we can really start to learn things. I really, I guess, cherish those moments of vulnerability, and I try to find those and really push into those 
um, in my teaching when moments when I don't know things moments when uh, you know there might be some uncomfortable example that really has a lot of value but maybe we don't want to talk about because uh, there's like a social stigma around it do you think that maybe the best work is the is the work that feels like play that maybe there isn't so much of a distinction like you can we we like to think of these things like like board games and video games and sports and yeah. and whatever as, as that's all play but that maybe a sense of growth and maturity kind of comes into being like well this is kind of like play to me even though it is challenging and hard and and that's something where you're kind of trying to break down that barrier and that distinction of it's okay you're here to work and learn and if you're having fun or or it does feel like play that's okay too that doesn't have to be two distinct things or two distinct mindsets yeah that's a tough question <laughs> i mean because if that's, <laughs> that's a, yeah 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 that's that's a that's a very tricky question because there's a lot of ways that for me pop up um you know i think about uh, tl taylor has done great work on looking at um the sort of the the industry of esports right and mm -hmm. and that as not just not really play but as a significant form of labor and particularly uh uh tl is looking at um how esports and their integration into uh the into campuses now as forms of like uh, you know, like recruiting students and, you know, getting scholarships and things like this um, is is actually people are using that like language or what I'll call rhetoric of play to not get them to realize the real hard labor that they're doing behind this. And it's actually very um, there, there's a lot of exploitation that's going on, similar to what we see with student athletes who uh, and this is again, this is all TL stuff and TL, if you're listening to this. And I've misquoted you. Please shoot me a message. Um, but but I mean, uh, her, her work is, is so vital to understanding this question. Um, and there's a lot of people who have looked into this question of the ways in which um, companies use play to suggest like, oh, this work is fun. You should enjoy this. Right. But it's a very manipulative practice because at the end of the day, what they're doing is still labor. They're still producing something. Waste, however, is something that Kyle sees as very important for us to function outside of our responsibilities. This waste acts as a way of letting go of things that we take in from our day-to-day -day life. So one of the ways that I, I really, I understand play when we put it in sort of relationship with, with work, and I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm taking this from uh, a number of scholars who, who, I, who have read doing work on this, but specifically um, uh, Rohir Kaiwa um, has this distinction of play is not something that's, it doesn't produce anything. At the end of the day, it's not productive, right? Um, and I like that definition a lot because that's a definition that really kind of sets it up in opposition to uh, structures of work that would seek to exploit people's attachment to play to get them to produce stuff that they feel like they're doing, oh, because it's fun or it's enjoyable, when realistically there's a lot of hard labor involved with it, right? So if we're defining play as something that is something that inherently does not produce anything, then I think we can kind of, we can, we can kind of start to see how play is something that's maybe distinct from work and that the thing we're doing when we're working 
might be different. However, if we bring in Kai Wah's perspective, and, and his actual quote is that play is an occasion of pure waste. Hmm. So it's 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 not something that's going to result in, in producing anything. Is this something that you believe is 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 he stating this as a kind of a positive or negative neutral statement of saying you know, pure waste is that a valuable thing to our human experience? I mean, if you're talking if you're talking about waste in general, like trash defecation things not like at that. all that okay <laughs> yeah. well the thing is is that that is very valuable so a okay. lot of um a, a lot of our, our our legal system comes from early um laws about us picking up and and cleaning up our waste legally waste has been very important for us um and uh and and there's a history of shit is the book i'm thinking about that actually talks about the legal precedents for this um, but it's interesting to go back to this question of work because, uh, you know, people were just throwing shit out of their windows and, and people, and, and then eventually they they, they made the law that like, Hey, you have to, you have to clean up your shit. You can't just throw it out a window. Right. And so, you know, it, it, something, something that was just as simple as being removed started to become like, I think we can say, I'm, I'm going to just kind of, um, Sorry, put this as tails from my ass here, um, but I'm gonna just I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of run with this for a second. Um, I mean, maybe one of the ways we think about it, right, is that you know there is a really interesting relationship between waste and labor that starts in these early moments where people are being told to now labor over their waste. They have to like pick it up, they have to clean it up, and they have to dispose of it. This was a take on play I wasn't expecting when I came into this discussion. Kyle compares play to trash, or even human waste, an idea that at first struck me as confusing and gross. But as he continued to describe this concept, it began to make more sense to me. If you build up tension and energy at work, where and when do we release that energy? And wouldn't that release of energy be a form of waste too? It's your body's kind of natural way of like writing its identity, right? Um, and so if we take this long tangent that I've gone on and bring it back to play, maybe we can start to understand that there is this, this way in which play as a form of waste is also kind of linked up to these ideas of, of identity, of, um, of it being used to establish, like in, in, in this kind of like weird relationship, um, to establish forms of labor. I think it's I think it's a really interesting thing because something that I've experienced. I'm someone who's played video games throughout um, throughout my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since I can remember, uh, it's been very integral. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't feel like a way. Sometimes I feel very actually more connected to the world when I play a game that's very emotionally drawing. Like like Legend of Zelda has always been something yeah. that I feel mm-hmm. like. It, that those games gave me a kind of deeper wonder of nature. Yeah. Like I'd go outside and suddenly I have these things. Right, right. But as I've gotten older, yeah. as more responsibilities have kind of come my way, I'll play a video game for 30 minutes yeah. and feel like I have just wasted mm. time. Even if I had mm-hmm. fun, yeah. even if I sat there and go, you know, I really enjoy this, yeah. I'll end that play session yeah. and go, oh, I just wasted time. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this thing too where maybe we can not redefine it, but look at it at a different perspective of 
like you were saying, and I like that you actually compared it to literal waste, is, yeah. is that's a necessary process. It's important. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. In your cycle like you, of it, you need to... Right. It's like a releasing toxins. It, it, it is. Like, play, play is a release. And I think, I, think, I think what we need to do from, you know, both a, a cultural perspective, from a uh, historical perspective, from an ecological perspective, especially as we, we are dealing with... Um, significant changes in climate as we're feeling right now on a balmy 83 degrees in December, December. Yeah. Um, is, uh, is that we need to redefine our relationship with waste, with things that we would see as, as unnecessary, as trivial, as things we, we should just toss out. Because if we look at, if we look at these things we define as waste, they're actually really important. Shit is important. It, it, it is important. Um, you know, play is vital. It's an important, similar, I like your, your kind of analogy here. It's similar to shit in that it is this release. It is this, this, like this moment of being able to exert these, these energies that we are asked to confine and constrain in the highly rule bound systems of the, the daily work world. Right. And so, you know, you, to go back to this question, you asked, like, is there, what is the relationship between play and work, right? And one of the things I suggested is that, well, that we're dealing with multiple forms of play here. So in the work world, we're still playing, but we're just playing in an, what, what uh, Hoisinga, Johan Hoisinga would, would call, um, or excuse me, no, this is, this is Kaiwa again, sorry. Uh, Rohir Kaiwa would call, in, in the book is Man Play Games, if anybody wants to check it out, um, is that um, we have this, this, these forms of play that are extremely rule-bound that you cannot break the rules. They are super rigid, but they're still games, they're still play. And we might look at this in forms of something like football, would be a very like rule-bound kind of structure. And if you're caught doing something that's against the rules, you'll suffer penalties, things like this, right? But then there are these more freeform like versions of play. And this could be like, imagine when you were a kid and you were playing as like a dinosaur right? That's another form of play, but the rules, nobody's going to call to you and be like, hey, you're not being a dinosaur correctly. Stop, stop acting like that, you know? And that's, that. so, so the work world is still a form of play. It's just a badly designed and misunderstood one. So there's, the, again, another two things, like every yeah. thought you have, yeah, yeah. two thoughts come to mind. Um, one is, is that it's, 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 this ties really well into your, your waste analogy, which unexpected but works so great is uh is kids they need to waste that energy yeah they don't have Mm -hmm. a lot of responsibilities other than to eat and grow and and stay alive it you're raising i think an interesting question here in terms of what's happening to children's play what's happening to the importance of play as a space for kind of producing waste and especially if we take waste seriously as something that we need to produce, we all produce, um, what happens when it kind of is transformed in these, these ways we talked about in video games where it's, it's very rule bound. It's designed to be productive. Um, like nothing makes me sadder than, and, and I've written these articles, so I, I, <laughs> I accept full responsibility for contributing to this discourse. But it's almost something, nothing makes me sadder than, than, than all of these like attempts at making games matter, right? Like making them like saying like, oh, they can, they can make us better. They can make us smarter. They can make us work better. They can teach us things. Like 
it's kind of like, well, what about this part of games that's just detritus? Like, they're, they're, I think that's important. Play seems to be a way of allowing something not to matter. It is a time, or waste of time, to have no consequences in the activity you take in, whether it be sports, video games, or make-believe. That waste is a form of mindfulness and letting go of the things that your body and mind no longer need to hold on to. Um, and that's the thing that I think is really critical here, to go back to this, this point of waste, is just because I think you and I are talking about it as waste doesn't mean that there's still not cultural value, that there's still not something significant about what's going on there. When does playing games as waste turn into a waste of time? I think this is like, we, we I think the, the problem here is that we always want to hoist social responsibility onto things that, you know, aren't really responsible for them. So I, I'm reminded here of some of the work that Constance Steinkuehler has done on, um, on MMOs and player types who seek out MMOs. One of the things that came out of a lot of like her and her colleagues research is that it's not that people became unhealthy while playing games, it's that they were already these ways before playing games. So then they sought out certain games as a way to either indulge or seek support and comfort from like-minded people or um, just to reaffirm their feelings. So the question about health here is a complicated one because I think we can look at we can look at unhealthy mindsets. We can look at unhealthy forms of play, um, and we can we can look at this this question of like you know how people are predisposed to play in certain ways, and then they bring those forms of play into not just the games but into other social settings as well. No, I mean every time you've you've given me a, a different perspective on it because I never would have thought about someone who had these habits or bad habits to begin with. And then being like, great, here's a either cry, not cry for help, but you know, let's say it's an MMO. Let me find a way to be socially connected in the best way I can. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, let me indulge in something that makes me feel better yeah. than, than what my life is yeah. instead of the other way around where it ruins their life. Play can be done socially or it can be done alone. It's something we have done for as long as we've been around. But our understanding of play, why we do it, and what makes it so fun, is something that I'm still trying to conceptualize. It's something I struggle with myself, as I try to understand when I deserve a break, or when I might just be avoiding work. Somehow we managed to get back to the big question that this podcast is based around. Are we our jobs? But the same could also be said about the opposite end. Are we our play? Regardless, being able to have an opportunity to be vulnerable is the best way for us to learn about who we are, and more importantly, who we don't want to be. Play is a way of shedding our excess so we can go back into the world with what we want to carry. One of the things we have to realize is that when we play, whether we're playing in a setting that's more work-based, whether we're playing in a setting that's more freeform and open, we are constantly having to close the gap, right? We are constantly having to see ourselves as the person who this job is asking us to be, or as the person who this game is asking us to be, right? And the, the, the moments where we, we, we sort of become, I think, bad at these things, or the moments where we kind of stop like being, being effective, are those moments where we, when we buy wholesale that I am 100% this person 
at work. I am the businessman or I am, you know, um, Norman Reedus in Death Stranding. You know, I think, I think the important thing is to kind of realize that the different games we play every day um, show us that we have a tremendous amount of malleability and openness. And that's a powerful thing. I would like to thank Dr. Kyle Bonnecke for being on this podcast. You can check out him and his team's Twitch streaming channel, LFG, where they play a new video game every week and discuss their opinions of that game live. Uh, this podcast was written, directed, edited, and recorded by myself, Jack Palesco. The soundtrack is by Valleys and Haunted Circuits. My head researcher and partner on this podcast is Logan Ortiz. If anyone listening has any questions about the books or research Dr. Bonnecke might have mentioned, uh, feel free to reach out for specific information on those. Thanks for listening, and talk to you next time.